Jamie and Travis, Jamie and Travis, Jamie and Travis present. Travis, we have a Patreon site. Yes, we do. Patreon is a crowdfunding website that mm-hmm. allows creators of stuff uh, to give their consumers of the stuff they make a chance to contribute. Uh, and uh, we have one at patreon.com slash present. Uh, it is really us just asking for a little help with some of the... Uh, sort of day-to-day costs of producing this podcast. Coffee and hosting. Coffee and hosting, and a little bit of uh, taking care of your equipment, yeah. which you donate to. Love it. Um, so yeah, again, patreon.com slash Jamie and Travis present. Uh, we would really appreciate you checking it out, but even if you don't check it out, we really appreciate you listening. Thanks. Thanks. Jamie and Travis. Jamie and Travis. I don't even know that we talked about this on our PodCon reviews, but I I was a little a fish out of water at PodCon. I didn't know what Adventure Zone was. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand because we just came to this podcast convention, and I was like, "Why is everyone dressed up like trolls? <laughs> what is going on?" Um, well, when we so I was you know I I work with the planners of PodCon, right, and. They said, yeah, we've got to make sure we have a safe space for cosplay. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's an audio. F- what, what are you cosplaying? Just because nerds as? go to conventions? Well, I was totally. And then everybody was like, no, the Adventure Zone. And I was like, what's the Adventure Zone? And that's sort of where I started getting into it. But And then what, since I had been listening, yeah, there was a to- I feel like it's a totally different experience to go to PodCon having listened to the Adventure Zone or not having listened to the yeah. Adventure Zone. Um, I missed com- out. I feel like I yeah I would kind of agree with that because yeah. like it was a joyful experience to see everybody, and I could just oh it's the void fish and stuff like that. Oh. Whereas um, yeah yeah this we walked it we were we were walking down the sidewalk and that was at the front door of the convention <laughs> center. We were like oh there's because we were, we had spent the drive talking about cosplay. What is really? cosplay? We had a pretty Why contentious argument where I was accused of of lying. Basically, wow! Yeah, we were by Ellensburg. I don't remember that. Well, there was some there was some dispute about (laughs) about uh, it was it was an issue of degrees. I said something like some people make money doing cosplay, and you and Erica took it as all people make money doing cosplay, which of course is not true. I think there's the difference was there's cosplayers and there's people in costumes that make money. Yes. And I think that is a distinction. I'm not. I don't have it. But now you have a distinction because of them. All those people there. Nobody was making money there. I know. Still, though, my my when I come to contact with cosplay is like on like Deadspin or something, yeah. you know, or one of those family of blogs that will randomly do. Sure. It's and it's always a hot cosplay person that's like Laura Croft or something, you know, uh, and. They're always like all in, and and the costumes are elaborate, and they're it's pretty incredible. And then I go to PodCon, and I'm like, this, this isn't cosplay. Person just bought some elf ears, so. <laughs> <laughs> which of course is not fair. That's literally cosplay. That was my. Th- this is yeah. There's. Uh, <laughs> at first, I was thinking in the opposite direction. I was thinking of like the Spider-Man out in front of um, Times Square, Times Square, yeah. and stuff like that. That those are the people who quote make money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there is. I, I feel like there are different levels of totally. cosplay, but 
yeah, I'm, I, it, I, I've had friends who are cosplayers and I still am like, it's still a very foreign thing to me. Yeah. Like, I wish I had the courage to do something like that, but I still don't understand it well enough to, to actually take part in it. That's well, and that's the thing at the end of the day, anything I say about cosplay is uh, right underneath the surface is me feeling sort of bad about myself for not being just <laughs> open and comfortable with myself and willing to do that. Cause those people have more fun than anyone else. And it's just a fact. Yeah. And I, I, I feel the same way. Like, I, I don't even dress up for Halloween, but I'm always like, I love Halloween and I love looking at everybody dressed up and how excited they are. And I, so it, it always, I want to do more of it, but I'm always like, no. No, I know. <laughs> don't worry, you're, you're at the right table. <laughs> like, oh. like, even dressing up for shows when we have to talk about, we play in a Bowie tribute and a Seeger tribute. Even when we talk about those, we're like, oh, well, what are we all going to wear? Yeah. Oh, just nothing complicated. Don't yeah. don't pick a bunch of complicated things. And, and but we you're doing a of, Bowie. We did. we did. Yeah, we did. We maybe have to use past tense. We're not sure. Yeah, that might not exist anymore. But it existed like, for a while. Bowie and complicated outfits, kind of. I mean, he's not Elton John, but you know, that's, there's he, oh yeah, there's a lot going on. It's complicated. Yeah, it's complicated for sure. The band we kind of just drove, dressed up like we tried. Well, we tried to like how can we match at least? Yeah. Near the last couple shows, we were like, let's. What what can we do that's at least striking? Was there a specific era of Bowie, or was it just? <laughs> yep, kind of. Was kind it Ziggy? Uh, Ziggy through, uh, let's say it's like Ziggy through like eighty one. I think is where we sat. Prime Bowie. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was kind of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we were saying it was that just so that we could feel like we were playing the Bowie we love. Um, but uh, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, but it, that was pretty much what we did. That's pretty much what we did. You had to do Let's Dance, of course. Yeah, there was some some eighties and attempt at some nineties. Yeah, did oh, you do yeah. Under Pressure? Oh, we did. You one guys show. did, but I didn't do Under Pressure. Who did the Freddie Mercury part? Uh, Rachel, Rachel Patrick did. Oh, yes, very cool. It was really cool. It was really good. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a hard one. Bowie's a hard one. Uh, Bowie's a hard one, especially when there's 11 people in the band. Holy cow. Because everybody has an opinion, which is good. <laughs> it's good. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody felt like they had a, the right to an opinion. Um, and so uh, that was fun. But it means that everything uh, is either slow moving or uh, uh, widespread. Every, everything was widespread. Yeah. Right. Why aren't we playing this song? Oh, because we already have like... 30 songs, man. And we don't yeah. really know any of them that well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll disagree. <laughs> I remember the days of being in a band like, yeah, we know the first half of that song. Wait, are you a musician? Yeah. Okay, hold on. Let's just real quick. Okay. Oh, yeah, let's... Nick Jenkins is here. Are we rolling? Oh, oh yeah. Rolling. Oh, cool. oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick Jenkins is here. Um, you are... Well, can you tell me what your position is? Because I feel like you wear a few hats. Probably. I do wear a few hats, but uh, primarily I'm... On my business card, it's senior producer um, okay. at Complexly. So I work with Hank Green and Caitlin Hoffmeister and Colin Hickey and Duncan Gesevitz. God, sorry, Duncan. It's only because it was on. He was on our podcast, and I listened to it five times. He was a student of mine. <laughs> You'd think I'd know, <laughs> but uh, I'm a senior producer, which means that I keep. Uh, a show called Crash Course up and running. Uh, I work with a team to do that, and I uh, direct hosts. And then, uh, depending on what series it is, I edit as well. So you direct mm -hmm. hosts? Yeah. What does that mean? That means I make sure that <laughs> they are um, doing what I feel the show needs them to do to work. 
Oh, this is wonderful. Yeah, so. you're here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're now the director of this episode. Feel free to do some live directing today. A lot of times my directing is like, eh, eh let's do it again. So, no. Oh, so they're takes. You're not like yeah. on the other side of glass going like, no, 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 no. I co- sort of did that. My first job was in radio and... Uh, like at, I was still in high school and I started working as a board op for uh, talk radio. And then, cause my brother was a general manager, so he gave me a job. Oh, cool. And then I went on to be a DJ and then I tried doing like normal jobs. Like I uh, worked at Barnes and Noble for a year and absolutely hated it. And uh, went back into radio <laughs> while I worked, while I was in college. And then, yeah, now I'm here. Yeah. So it was, uh, but yeah, I direct, I edit, I, you know, mostly I'm just passionate about education. So, about education. Yeah. Tell me how that uh, interplays with wh- wh- how are you educating? Well, so Complexly itself is, is pretty much a company built on education. Okay. Uh, education on the web. Uh, Hank and John Green wanted to do like rigorous but fun educational videos uh, on YouTube, and then once YouTube came to them with some money to get channels started they were able to say okay we can we can actually do this and we can have good animation and we can pay consultants and writers to actually do this and so they started that in 2011 and uh wow that was not that long ago no holy crap yeah and vidcon just sold to viacom well now vidcon is different yeah vidcon was okay i think started in 2010 i could be wrong about that but the vlog brothers hank and john started in 2006 okay so it's been a while. Okay. Complexly started. Too, yeah. Complexly started. Um, and uh, it wasn't even called Complexly at the time. It was just a bunch of people sitting around the table. And uh, yeah, so we started that and Crash Course and SciShow sprung out of that. And I've been there ever since. It allowed me to quit my moonlighting job as an adjunct professor at uh, University of Montana. Which is good because you would have gotten fired probably. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, I still have a lot of friends who work there, and uh, they do great work. But man, that university is yeah, just we've, a we've shit talked show. about it a it's lot. Hard. It's stressful. Yeah, it is. Um, but I so now I do this, and it's all about my show specifically. Uh, Crash Course. I say my show, our show. <laughs> is we take a subject, whatever it may be. Usually, we're trying to stick to some sort of curriculum, but we'll say biology or physics or world history and then we'll take 46 episodes 10 minute episodes to work through it Mm -hmm. so you can use it as a study guide or if you're just like a lifelong learner and you just want to learn stuff you can do it and we've been pretty successful i'm pretty proud of it yeah how many how long has the crash course been going since crash course launched well we started shooting in 2011 but the first episodes went live 2012 and these are on youtube yep everything's on youtube people can find them yep it's all free Awesome. Um, and that's one of our mission statements. So we have like a Patreon and then we're partnered with PBS Digital Studios. So uh, we get funding from different places. But the the main mission statement is that it should be free and accessible to everyone everywhere. Because one of the the biggest problems we see with education is just access. Yeah. So and, you know, the Internet's not everywhere now, but it's getting there. It's, you know, and so the more people that can have access to educational materials, I think the better off the world's going to be. Totally. So when did that become a part of your you started in radio? Where did you grow up? I grew up in a little town called Porterville in California. OK. And so it's like if you I don't know if you guys have been to California much, but mm-hmm. like it's right in between Fresno and Bakersfield. So the, oh. the asshole. Of, not yeah. sweet California. No, oh, it's not. Crack, yeah. yeah, it is a terrible. <laughs> awful like there's a haze of um 
pesticide always looming in the air. Yeah. It's, it's really gross. Beautiful. Um, but great <laughs> veggies, right? Oh, my God. Okay, so here's the thing. I moved to Missoula, and I, I love Missoula. Yeah. Uh, I moved here in 05, and... The only thing I re- well, the winters are rough here occasionally, but the only thing I miss from California is the produce. Yeah, like whenever, just like anytime I have an orange here, I'm like, well, this is disappointing. I know. I think it should be illegal to sell oranges and tomatoes in Montana. <laughs> it's so, they're actually. so bad, <laughs> right? They're yeah, terrible. They, suck. Yeah. they totally suck. There's no doubt about it. Like um, oranges, watermelons, like the only good fruit I've ever had up here are like cherries. Well, do we get the Dixon melons. I don't wear. Oh, well, it only happens for like two weeks. Oh, well. Then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's, only, there's only one field of them. Yeah. yeah. And they get sold off. It's sort of so true. Quick. It's sort of true. Yeah. Uh, no, in the summer, though, in Dixon, which is the banana belt of Montana, which means that, you know, wow. when it's 15 here, it's 17 there. Oh. Uh, yeah. uh, but they do have, really, they have great melons and they bring them, wow. you know, they probably start in the end of July or something. And they have them for a month. Are they at the farmer's market? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they back up a big truck. Right, you can gonna... smell them when you get to the farmer's market. It's pretty interesting. You have to go to the awesome. farmer's market. You got to check it out. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, the farmer. Well, okay. We can talk about that later. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have to go to the farmer's uh, market. But I'm interested. Oh, you must. Yeah, you have to. Uh, but so you grew up in California. When did the, the education component become so important to you? So my dad and his... Uh, wife are both teachers and so I helped out in their classes a lot my dad taught like 8th grade, 7th grade and uh, his wife taught I think everything from kindergarten through 6th grade in different stages and I just sort of liked it, I think my first thing that I ever wanted to be in life was a stand-up comic like that was when I was a little kid I was a little kid, like, I looked up to all the stand-up comedians and that's what I wanted to do I'm not a good writer in terms of like comedy like I'm, I'm good for drama, but I'm not good for comedy. And it's the hardest thing. It, it is, and I think to have a really good, solid repertoire for stand-up comedy, I just could never crack that. And but I think teaching, especially in front of a classroom, satisfies some of that ego that um, that would have been satisfied as a stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you're allowed to be entertaining, and and it's encouraged. You want to be entertaining. You want them to. You know, you want students to to feel your energy of excitement and and fun and to and for me it was always a big thing to like be okay with making mistakes and everything and then making a joke out of it because that's uh, that's how I feel like people understand it's okay to be human and it's okay to and that 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 knowledge isn't a hard line of like right or wrong it's like well I learned this piece of knowledge and that connects to this piece of knowledge but oh crap there's this interim piece here that I didn't have that actually makes this first piece of knowledge wrong well now I got to go back and research that and just being okay with that yeah. so so I, lo- I I loved education from an early age I really wanted to be a college uh, teacher like that was my real dream I wanted to teach at a university or actually my actual dream was to teach film at a small community college um you know, in this era of education, I don't know if that's ever going to be a thing, mm-hmm. but I'm really happy turning that passion I have for education to the online world and trying to see if we can form connections like you can with an actual class. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's really where it came from. Uh, and then my mother always encouraged me to learn from whatever media I was watching. So no matter if it was like The Terminator or... Mm-hmm some historical drama she was always big about talking about the history surrounding things and oh that's cool um 
And uh, I remember there was this Alan Rickman movie about Rasputin. And uh, I loved it as a kid just because I loved Alan Rickman. But also, like, she just gave me this long talk about the Russian Revolution and, and everything and what was going on and Tsar Nicholas and everything. And I just I just sort of fell in love with the idea of, like, filmmaking as an educational tool and everything. So everything for me always comes back to education in some way. Yeah. Hopefully. Do you, is there a way... Uh Hearing what you talk talk about the uh, wanting to be a stand up comic, mm-hmm. leading and and education and being in a classroom somehow fulfilling you in a similar way maybe, uh, is there a way through Crash Course and through your work on the internet that you get to engage with with your sort of quote pupils? It, you know, is there a way to interface with people? I mean, I, I typically yes, there there is. Because uh, I, I guess what I'm going is, is imagine part of the the thing you like about education is seeing somebody something click in somebody yeah they get it i think you have to transfer some of that yeah um and we watch social media a lot too much and uh it's really gratifying to see people in the comments of the video or on twitter or tumblr or whatever just say how much of an effect it's had or uh say well it helped me pass this class that's great but then there are others who just like it's fun for me when they get the joke. Like there's a little joke in there that we all put things in the, we paint in the corners. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And and sometimes there's an Iron Man joke or something that's just, it's small, but it's there. And when people get it, it, that was really satisfying to me. So there's things like that, but then there's also the actual interfacing that we do with people who support us on Patreon or people who are in the comments that it doesn't even have to necessarily be positive. Um, you know, oh, I love this video. It can also be like, well, wait a minute. You know, I don't know if I agree with that. And then I can just simply say, okay, tell me more about yeah. why you don't agree with it. And then we can hopefully start a, a conversation. That's the hard part. The the actual conversing in an online environment is the thing that I haven't figured out yet. And I don't think anyone really no one has. has figured it out. Yeah, yeah. It's um, and it's full of very toxic people um, that sort of make the the regular people suffer. And there's only so much you can do. But occasionally you do get a nice conversation. And even that starts out in a negative way, you'll yeah. get you'll have it turned positive by people having an open conversation. So so there's that. So is it a one-to-one correlation? No, yeah, it's not. But I still get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And I like the fact that I can focus my energy into something I'm passionate about, which is helping to educate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the uh, the comments thing. Like, uh, <laughs> let's talk about comments. Well, I'm sure I'm sure you got a. I'm sure you've seen a bunch of thanks Obamas, like those type of comments that completely derail it. To it has nothing to do with the video. Has nothing to do with anything. It's somebody that is that uses it as a forum. I mean, those. The worst thing that we have to deal with are like men's rights activists and. Oh man! Yikes. <laughs> Um, and the simple fact that it is much harder for a woman or person of color to be a host, um, in this environment than it is for, uh, you know, a straight white dude. Just because of the poison that gets yeah. slung at them? Yeah. It's, it's, it's really rough. And, uh, we've had, we've got some, you know, great hosts who they, they deal with it. Um, and, but at the same time, it's still like, it's really disheartening. Oh. Um, and that's, that's the hard part. I think for me as a producer is to look at that and just go, I love all of these hosts and I want them to all be, um, I want them to all feel empowered to, to do this and do their own things with it, with education and to get out there and take what they know and, and spread the word. 
um, whatever it be, whether it's physics or, you know, microbiology, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But I think when you encounter that type of abuse online, it's, it can really sort of make you pause if it's directed at you. And that's disheartening. And that's, that's the sad part. That's the part that is frustrating. We've got a lot of checks in place that help filter out a lot of that stuff before we even see it, Yeah. but we'll still encounter it and it's still difficult. Um, and th there's not a real good way to interact with it. Mm -hmm. Like there's no healthy way to interact with it other than to just say delete. Yeah. yeah. And some of our folks can do that. <laughs> they can just, um, but at the same time it's, it's rough and I understand that it's rough. And you know, that comes with understanding also my, my place and sort of privilege by being a straight white male dude mm -hmm. is that I don't have to deal with a lot of that. I just have to see my friends deal with it, yeah. which sucks. Um, so yeah, so those are the downsides. Is is that it's a it's it's a, it's a physically safe place because we don't have to touch each other. Yeah, but at the <laughs> same time, it is not a psychologically safe space a lot of the time. Yeah, um, and that and that to say that it's physically safe also doesn't really. I mean, some place not being psychologically safe also means it's not physically safe. Yeah, in you know, in a lot of ways, especially if you're. Actually, if people are actually physically threatening in some way. Right. Which is, it's so sad to think about because going back to PodCon, and I would imagine that PodCon was the, the, the largest collection of people that like uh, the videos you produce, probably, right? I mean, there, there were... No, I would say VidCon. Oh, Vid, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And I, well, I don't know, maybe VidCon was different. People did talk about how VidCon is different, but I'm going to use PodCon. Uh it was like I've been most, to both, so I can probably. Okay, yeah. well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, PodCon was like one thing after two days there that was really intense for me was I just was like, I don't, this is the most peaceful place I have been. <laughs> like, it was yeah. quiet. And I know VidCon is a little bit crazier just because it's huge. Uh, but like, just it's safe. I'm just a little sick of the term safe space, but it was so safe. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Why are you sick so of the term friendly. safe space? Uh, I just feel like sometimes uh, people throw that around, and I and I'm not really sure what it means. Um, okay. Uh, and I I am all I I am very uh, sympathetic. You're, you're pro. Safe I am. Space. I, yeah, I'm I'm pro people not being assholes to each other. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, I think sometimes in an effort to be. Uh, inclusionary and and uh, protective of that, mm -hmm. it can feel exclusionary. If that makes Interesting. sense, okay. And uh, that's like my own thing. I I am all about people being kind to each other, and I think we all should be. Uh, but when it's mandated, it almost feels self defeating to me. Well, and, and I think it's a it's a perspective thing, totally. Um, where again, white male. You know, Absolutely, yeah. you're you probably among all of us have the safest space. Absolutely, it just inherently in life. Absolutely. So I also spend very little time on the internet. Aha! <laughs> and that's another thing. That's probably healthy. Yeah. Well, I was on Facebook, and it got really toxic for me. About uh, the end of last year. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, it yeah, was. Literally, yeah. it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't uh, imagine what happened. Uh, uh, so. So I guess safe space, that's, that's my thing. Sure, sure. Just sometimes I'm not. But, um, but PodCon was just, it was just the nicest people. I was so, like, at peace while I was there. I yeah. mean, I just felt so comfortable. 
And to think that, you know, fan like those people again being sort of generally fans of things like Crash Course uh, would have to deal <laughs> with these trolls is like really sad to me. It makes me kind of angry. <laughs> You know? You're not wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, so PodCon, for me, I felt the exact same way. It was very calm. Yeah. Um, it was so quiet. It was a library. How, all, how was yeah. thousands of people so quiet? They wanted to hear. Oh, my God. Like, that was so great. Yeah, amazing. They're, they're genuine listeners. It gave me so much hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, was, it was fantastic. I I don't like conventions, generally. Like, I have a deep respect for everything that goes on with VidCon, but it's not for me. Yeah. It's a um, kind of a party, right? Uh, no, it's it's a convention. I mean, it, it's a really well well run convention but there are so many people and it is definitely based more on a fan yeah. creator interaction yeah. for the on the bottom levels like the, the we have three tiers at vidcon i say we i don't i don't work for vidcon you but, do work for vidcon <laughs> i'm a vidcon shill um the the when I say bottom level, I just simply mean that the the fan interactions are usually happening on the bottom level of the Anaheim Convention Center, mm-hmm. and you go up to the mid mid level and uh, second floor, and you're like uh, creator, and then at the top level, it's industry. So it's like there's less fan reaction as you go up the escalators. So I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being on the bottom. It's just literally that's how it's laid out. Uh, but it is like there's never a time at VidCon when you don't hear a group of people going, Woo! you know, and, wow. and screaming and yeah. and they're excited and, and they're unironically excited. And that's and that's great. And, yeah. and, and it's totally cool. And it's just not for me. Yeah. Um, I really was like, I didn't want PodCon to be over. Right, like, me neither. I was short. It was so short. It felt short. Even though it felt it, short. Like I was wanting, I uh, I wanted more information. Yeah, and I and I know that there was more information available. Yeah, like just yeah, seeking totally. out. Like, Absolutely, I was, uh, and that's rare for me. Um, oh yeah, I'm usually like at the end of any business trip or whatever. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm done. I need to go home. But there was like, no, I could do with like another day of sessions. Yeah, it was rejuvenating somehow. Yeah, it really was. And everyone was nice. Even the people who were up there doing, uh, talking about things that didn't really even relate to what mm-hmm. I was doing. I was like, this is great. Yeah. I'm totally happy. Yeah. Like I could just sit here and listen to these people. Cause there were a lot of people doing uh, stuff about fiction podcasts, which I'm just, I don't, I don't really listen to fiction, fiction podcasts. I didn't really know there were as many as there were until oh, I, I went to PodCon. Um, and there's even more than, than what was represented there. And, so I'd be at the, in the middle of these things, and I'm like, this doesn't relate to me, but it's giving me some ideas about how I'm doing things mm-hmm. on my podcast. So it's, yeah, I, it was I, fantastic. Yeah. Loved it. Well, and yeah. so, and so everyone knows, that's how we... That's how we met you. Met you. And I thought I already knew Travis... Yeah. Because you're kind of all over Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I Because I was like, did I, did you, was, were you in a class I had? Yeah. And then you were no. kind of like, no. I no. I think you just know me. You might just, I just know all of your employees. Yes. And I know all your friends. Well, and yeah. a really funny thing happened to us. We were sitting with a friend in the back of the panel you did, which was sort of about gear and, and. More about uh, just getting started. Just getting like, started. Yeah. Uh, but a big thing for people is always gear. Yeah, and And you laid that out in a really uh, nice way. And Thank we you. were sitting in the back. I was nervous about that and, panel. And Oh, you did great. You, did you were so great. Uh, uh, and also, man, my favorite... The, my favorite thing that would happen at those panels, the Q&A section, sessions were always such a minefield yeah. for people. And it was so interesting to watch different panelists handle it in different ways. Because 
most people had, you know, genuine, they're interested, they had a question or a conundrum, and they mm-hmm. just wanted an expert to help them. Yeah. Uh, and then occasionally there were the guys who just had a comment. And, <laughs> and no question. And watching different panelists just sort of either be like, oh, think, thanks. Mm-hmm. Or uh, you were the most, you were the most gracious <laughs> about those. You, really? Yeah, you oh, actually. Because there were several of them, in, as well as anyone can imagine, in the gear, I mean, gear guys, there was a lot of discussion of gear. Yeah. And people, man. Well, have you heard of this? You could just oh, use yeah, this. Oh, yes. I'm used to those because I, I, t- I often do a panel sort of like that for video at VidCon. Mm-hmm. And there'll people come up and ask me about a specific lens for a specific camera. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know, man. Nobody has the encyclopedia knowledge of everything. But, you know, if you like it, cool. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Like, there's no reason to not do it. Right. But, but so we were sitting in the back and we were fucking cracking up because you and Travis have many of the same mannerisms. You have similar, well, at least from I that wasn't panel. cracking up. I didn't notice any of this. Yeah, you would, he, he friended you on Facebook while we were sitting there. And, and, and kept saying, he still hasn't accepted it. He still hasn't accepted it. Well, look, he, accepted look, he just looked down. He must have seen it. Uh, but it was like disconcerting almost to us to how the, the way you guys would pause for for laughter. Oh, do you, man. Do you play bass? Yeah. Oh, shit. This is interesting because how long have you been in Montana? Uh, I've been in Montana 27 years. Okay. So when I first got here, mm-hmm. I've had many people walk up to me and say, are you still playing bass? <gasps> oh, funny. It might not be me. It's been bass for me publicly. I bass, think, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> bass for me publicly has been the last like seven years. So maybe. I mean, that's close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be. <laughs> I'm taking it. I think that's I fast. think I think you're my doppelganger. I, yes. I, think, I think it's the same. I, I get I, asked all the you time. You guys do look. Everybody, we could be brothers. Everybody like, always tells me how great Crash Course is. I'm yeah. sure. nobody, nobody does that, but uh, but uh, it's it's uh, it's probably true. When I when I, I just saw because I I'm Facebook troll, um, uh, Facebook stalker. I'm not a Facebook troll because I don't really yeah I, I don't participate negatively. Don't don't give yourself that. No, and I'm, and I'm so I I love Facebook. Like I get such a I get I, I've managed to curate myself and curate my yeah. page to where. It's it's great for business, but it's also great for I only see things that I'm excited about, um, and I haven't had to quit yet. Good, but uh, 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 instantly I'm a gear nerd. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I love gear, music gear. I love all gear, like photographers, so mm-hmm. photography gear, everything, and. Uh, uh, instantly was like, oh, great. I can't wait to talk on the podcast how he plays wild guitars. <laughs> wild audio. And, and, uh, and uh, I know Jamie, what? Jamie, Jamie had a small, like, his eye twitched. Yeah, so this, is, this is the end of my here. participation no, in this conversation. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to talk about guitars. Uh, <laughs> one of our two audience members wants to talk about guitars. Uh, and I instantly We can saw, have a very short conversation. Uh, well, and I saw it. Wait, are wild guitars like Zach Wild? Yeah. Literally, oh, yes. He was the most, probably, uh, he and Nuno Betancourt were the most formative inspirations oh, for me as guitar yes, players awesome. and uh i awesome. i have a an an epiphone zach wild signature and i uh, just recently bought a the wild audio odin oh you just answered um, my my two questions which yeah. were do you did you play the original zach wild guitars i never got to play the gibson uh-huh. um because i couldn't afford it yeah no, um, no. This is, it's just like a three thousand dollar guitar it's ridiculous it's it and for no good reason no um but yeah, I've always been a sort of a Les Paul guy for the most part. I have an Ibanez, which I adore, but I'm I'm just sort of a I don't 
I like to have the tremolo system, but I don't quite know what to do with it. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I I stick close to fixed bridge Les Pauls, and I and I don't really do anything like I don't play for people. Mm-hmm. It's all a hobby, and so I'm fine having someone else's signature guitar because yep. I'm not trying to build my own brand. Oh um, yeah, just yeah. Like, and I want to support what Zach is doing. I think Zach is sort of a really cool guy, uh-huh. and uh, I appreciate that he like a lot of people when they go out and make guitars they'll have a special one made for them to take on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but Zach didn't, and then their signature ones will be kind of a lower quality yeah, so they yeah. can sell them. But Zach didn't do that. Like the guitars you buy are the guitars that he takes on tour and he plays in the studio. Cool. And so that's really cool. And there, I got one of the more expensive ones, but I also did a trade in, so it wasn't even that expensive, but, uh, <laughs> I love, wait, the defense is the best thing. Yeah. I, you know, I do that every day. And even to my friends who are gear people as well, they're like, Oh, you bought a Rickenbacker. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I traded in this, this and this, and I got a good deal on it. Yes. Don't worry. I'm not, uh, don't I'm, worry. I'm still poor. <laughs> <laughs> Look, mom. <laughs> Yeah, I uh but it's like a, you know, a $1000 guitar as opposed to uh you know, the two guitars I traded in, but it's still like I wanted to do that just just support him. Yeah. And uh and I love it. I think it's a wonderful guitar. No, when the signature stuff actually happens and you know, you know that the artist is actually involved, it feels great. Yeah. It feel it feels like a it's a it's a genuine connection. It's a genuine fan connection that's like so it's it's worth so much more. Yeah. And I don't fan out about a, about much, but for Zach Wilde is one of the things that I'll, I'll Oh, Mama I'm for. Coming Home is one of the greatest country songs ever written. It is one of the greatest solos ever written too. <laughs> yes. That is an incredible solo. Um it's a I, yeah, I love everything from from then and I still listen to his solo work. So yeah. That's great. Oh, I was I was at the a uh, couple of years ago went to Spokane to see uh, Black Label Society, and I'm not really like I don't really know it, mm-hmm. and I'm not in that scene. But I wanted to see what that was. I wanted to see what that was like live, and see who are the people. What is the deal <laughs> with this? Who actually goes and sees this? And of course, the audience of that was not what I expected. I expected not not a biker rally right. or anything. I didn't expect that, but it was so. Uh, widespread on the audience members yeah it was everybody everybody watches that and i and like and that was so interesting to me because it's such a it's a defined genre it that, is that seems like it has defined fans it does not have defined fans no and mm-hmm. uh it's that was that was uh it was it was and also one of the nicest shows i've been to really like strangely it wasn't it wasn't aggressive i mean it was aggressive as for fans and cheering and right. being excited but it wasn't like it wasn't like going to Sturgis or something where Jeez. you're, where, where you're like, where, cause well, that's what I'm expecting. It was like, Oh, this is going to be super aggressive. This is going to be a bunch of assholes. I don't want to deal with this. Well, I mean, we all but have our own at all. prejudices and you'd look at Zach and you would, what, how assume, he dresses yeah. like a biker. Totally. <laughs> and so, and you know, and he renamed himself wild. So <laughs> with a Y. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, you know, there is an image that's put out. And yeah. so you have to think about that and say, well, I'm going to expect this, but, yeah, I've never been to one of his shows live. I'm not a big live. I don't really like live shows. Very I don't really. Much. I don't really do it that much for that, especially a band that I'm not like. I'm just going to go see. Yeah. But that one was like, well, it's Zach Wild though. Like I've been listening to Zach for 20 years without even trying. Yes. And so. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> he's everywhere, and like so. I was just listening to the go. radio. He's one of the few guitar players I can just be listening to the radio. And there was I don't. Uh, there's a song he did. I think it's called Porn Star Dancing. Something. My darkest days is the band. And it's just on the radio, and I'm going, yeah, this song is whatever. And then I hear the solo, and I'm like, 
Is that Zach Wild? <laughs> sure as hell, it was Zach Wild. Those pinched harmonics? Yeah. Oh, this is Zach. Yes. A chorus and a wham and a, a crybaby. I, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's our guitar talk. <laughs> Awesome. That's Perfect. And moving on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about net neutrality. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it, that is uh, it was a great when I when I came across that on Facebook was an instant like oh this is gonna be easy <laughs> this is gonna be easy these are our people. You said it's a hobby for you. Have you played in bands before? Oh yeah, yeah. Not many. I, I two. Um, in Missoula? No, no, oh. no, 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 no. I it was only in, when I was in high school and then immediately after high school, and we played a few shows. I really enjoyed it, but the we were the only one that I did anything really with was uh, basically a Metallica cover band. It was Sweet, just, awesome. and enjoyed the hell out of it. It was just a lot of fun, but all of us had other things we wanted to do. Yeah. And it, I think guitar, even though I, when I was a kid, it was something I sort of teased myself with the idea of having a career in. I I've always just enjoyed it as a hobby. I enjoy sitting on the edge of my bed just playing guitar. That's like, awesome. That's what I like doing. So. Yeah. Um, I'd like to do another live show before I die, but <laughs> I don't know, you know, I don't know, uh, if that's in the cards or not. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of time and it's a lot of emotion. Yes. It's a lot of, so what should we start? <laughs> yeah, I know. We got it right here. Well, let's do let's it. Let's go jam. Yeah. I'll first press <laughs> that's pause. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Where yes. should we start? Um, I just watched, uh, yeah. Okay. I'll move away from guitar. <laughs> I'll move away from guitar. I will, I'll make that judgment because <laughs> even I'm like, oh man. Uh, so much guitar. No, yeah, no it's not. Um, uh, I watched this morning. Watched ten videos on net neutrality. Uh, what, wow! I know because because I uh, it's that thing where if you that uh, speaking of comment sections, if you look at comment sections on net neutrality, nobody knows what it is or what it isn't. Well, especially uh, not the commenters. Yeah, it's so confusing. And so, and even I'm like, it's the same way I feel about Bitcoin. I'm like, I think I understand it. I think I get what Bitcoin is. Uh, I'm going to watch this video again that I think explained it to me or whatever. Uh, net neutrality is one that the fear of it for me is huge. Like when that, when that started to the first time it was going to be repealed yeah. and it didn't, the fear was like, I don't, I don't politically, I don't get that emotional, mm -hmm. but that one, I was like, well, this affects me, I think. Yeah. Wait, does it? And then now with it repealed and, uh, I'm curious on, well, it's not actually repealed. Mm -mm. It, the uh -huh. FCC has made the, 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 the chairman. Yeah. Uh, the, well, they've basically voted to send it to, I don't know, the, the house or the Senate. Gotcha. Yeah. And so it hasn't actually happened yet. And, um, I think. Uh, democratic leaders are trying to force a vote to basically say, "All right, let's let's vote on this so the American people can see where you stand." Because I think it's something ridiculous, like seventy nine percent of Americans don't want it repealed, uh -huh. and yet they're pushing for it so hard. Still, yeah. Um, so I, yeah, it's a it's a, we're we're in a bit of a, a mess right now. Yeah, I hope we get out of it um, for many reasons, but. Yeah. I'm well, what's your direct? What what is your direct feeling on on net neutrality? Yeah, and how it affects your work and your. I mean, it it definitely does the. Right now, we are sort of going to. Well, we're not sort of. We're going in a direction to where corporations are just going to have more and 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 more power, and we don't have we as individual citizens and even as. Uh, communities don't have the ability to fight that. Mm -hmm. So we need people in government to basically say, no, you cannot take advantage of 
um, the American people, mm-hmm. the world people. This is not just the American people, but yeah. you know, just it, for our purposes here. Um, and we would probably be the most screwed. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> the 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 issue is we can't fight corporations. Corporations can afford all the lawyers. They can afford to uh, spend money on politicians, like directly. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't do that. We can't do that as communities. We can't do that as uh, individuals. So we need the government to do what it is supposed to do, which is to take care of its people. This is all my opinion. Oh yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. So yeah. like. Um, and I will admit right up front, I am not the most politically savvy person. Um, I, I've just been watching in horror for the last year and a half. And um, I, I truly believe that the government's responsibility is to take care of its citizens. And since so much of our world is dependent on having access to the internet and really high speed internet mm-hmm. at this point, not just streaming things, but like, how do you apply for jobs now? Yeah. How do you um, do so many things? I just realized that, like, it's funny when I have to go register my car. I'm like, oh, I actually have to go physically do this. Yeah, that's weird. weird. That's weird. You know, yeah. like, there's so few things that we actually physically have to go do now. It's so tied up in there. So now corporations have all the power to just say, oh, you need that? Okay, we're going to jack it up 200% yeah. or whatever. What are you going to do about it? We can't do anything about it except maybe, hopefully, um, vote for people who are going to go and then start the process of fixing it. So. I mean, that's where I am. It does affect uh, what I do because every everything that I do for a living is going out onto the internet. So, And access is a big thing with education. I want more people to have access to educational tools. Not, I don't want more people to be cut off simply because they're not in the right economic bracket. Mm-hmm. Like that's my, my big philosophical thing is money doesn't define, money shouldn't define your quality of life in terms of um access to education, healthcare, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want to buy a Lamborghini, that's, that's up to you. Um, yeah. You hear that Justin Timberlake? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is he yeah. a listener? Yes. Okay. Um, he, uh, no, uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Cause you, you are, you, your, if your ethos is free education through YouTube, then what happens? Like what happens to you? Uh, what's the, uh, there's a lot of fear there. Uh, there's a bit of fear, but I, I, I I don't worry so much about myself or uh, the company mm-hmm. necessarily with something like that. I, I just, I worry about the people who will lose access to stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and to people, because like there's education out there, like Crash Course isn't the only education on the internet, obviously. And it's not the only education that you can go and get. So it's, it's not all of it. It's yeah. just a small part of it. Yeah. And I want it to be helpful. And, and in order for it to be helpful, people have to have access to the internet. And beyond that, I just, I think being able to, you know, research political candidates, mm-hmm. uh, being able to uh, research what's in your water and why you're having problems like in Flint, you know, yeah. being able to actually access the internet so you can research things that, I mean, libraries are great and they don't just serve this purpose, but like it be, they're, they're not going to be a fix all for, um, for losing sort of the ability to go on and say, okay, well, what is in this water that I'm drinking that's bad for me? And then being able to go out and figure out how to vote someone into power that's going to actually help you. So I I just think there's so many different facets to it. And like I said, I'm not the most politically savvy, but... I mean, I'm not either. And it's... it. And But my fear is is literally the access thing of like... Yeah. If 
we uh, having been to the PodCon where we sat and, we're, and the big the big discussion was like, how do you get people to listen? Yeah, and the idea of another roadblock is is that freaks me out. Yeah, as far as that is an interesting question. It was something I was thinking about at PodCon. I've forgotten about that. Yeah, I was thinking about it quite a bit because once you start funneling like who has the fast lane for yeah. example let's say it's only apple mm-hmm. now <laughs> yeah yeah you know as opposed to being able to do iTunes and Stitcher and uh um i don't know what are some other apps that you can use for getting your podcasts oh we should know this i should know Pod, this as well podbean podbean well that's just a hosting that's a host yeah, yeah totally. uh, so like soundcloud is a is a host <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, uh. He was way ahead of us. <laughs> um, like it's it's so weird to me because people want to say that that getting rid of net neutrality allows for more competition is mm-hmm. one of the arguments. When in fact, it seems like it does the complete opposite. Like it allows for big corporations to remain big and to then um, channel everything into being only them. So it's only Comcast at some point, right? You know, yeah. it's only. Uh, Verizon. Yeah, it's only Verizon at some point. And it's like, we do need those choices. We do. It would be great if there were another something like YouTube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I'm uncomfortable with the only valid platform right now being YouTube. Yeah, yeah that's my, that's, I was wondering. So net neutrality seems like one mm-hmm. uh, threat, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think maybe to me personally, the, the only good thing about the internet is mm-hmm. access to information. Yeah. Right? Um, and it's really... And un- porn. And, and porn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's just access to information? Yeah. That's true. It's just ones and zeros. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, to knowledge, I guess, is the mm-hmm. word. Um, and, I mean, from everything, from from physics classes to uh, how to change my faucet. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and it's amazing. I did so many home repairs. On based off basically just YouTube videos. Me, we just like, moved to Potomac, so all of a sudden you can't just like call somebody, right? You know, and holy <laughs> shit, man, you, it's really amazing the stuff you can do, and like, and that's very empowering. I mean, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Um, uh, so that's like the, the only good thing. So net neutrality <laughs> to me is, is a major threat. Uh, but then I wonder, like, like you maybe were alluding to. I don't know what the corporate structure of YouTube is, but at oh, the end of the Lord, day, do I not know? At the end of the day. If YouTube one day they're they are a corporate they're a business. Yeah. If they say for our bottom line to work for us, we are going to have to charge something for all content. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, your awesome videos are not free anymore and are only available. Do you think about that? Is there? I mean, I tend I put a lot of trust in Hank. Yeah, I do. I really just if Hank worries about something, then I'll Is worry Hank about Green? it. Yeah, Hank Green. Um, because I'm a worrier. Yeah. And so I need to sort of pick and choose what I worry about. Yeah. <laughs> and um, when we first started, I was worried about that because I didn't really know. Like, I I did not really watch YouTube before I yeah. got this job. Uh, and so I was like, well, what if the to me, I'm like a filmmaker. So that means I'm, I'm backing everything up 15 times to make sure I never lose the footage. And we had a very different attitude with this, it's like, no, once it's up on YouTube, just get rid of it. So we can not just have to buy hard drives all the time. And I was like, excuse me, (laughs) my heart starts racing. I'm like, we can't do that. Um, But 
Hank was really good at sort of pulling me off the ceiling and just being like, no, it's, you know, it, it's fine. What's the worst that happens? We go through the, the worst scenarios and you know what? YouTube is pretty dang stable. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, he isn't worried about something like that. So I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm going to focus my attention on other things like cool. making sure we get our content right. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. And that's a big enough worry is just to, you know, make sure that, and then make sure that all of my team members are happy and engaged and, and everything. So I'll just focus on that. And then I'll let Hank and, um, John worry about the overall YouTube issue. I have small little things that are the very, the very liberal side of me, which is just like, I don't like that. There's just one platform. I, I would, you know, it would, I think it would be better for the world if there were more platforms that act that act that worked like YouTube in terms of being able to actually make money off of it. Yeah. And I mean, it feels, it feels to me, uh, like an episode of black mirror, <laughs> you know, we're, we're only going to buy things from Amazon. We're only going to watch things on YouTube. Uh, we're only going to access the internet through Google, you know, yeah. all, and yeah. it just, it's, it feels, uh, dystopian. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and those dystopic shows and movies seem like prophecy. It never ends well either. Does <laughs> no, it? No, it really no. does. Yeah. Which, you know, it, it is unfair to, to, to say, uh, that because it never ends well in fiction, it, it won't end well in, in reality, but it is, it is a small concern of mine totally. that it's like, we, we need more options. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it'd be better for Google and YouTube in in the long run to have somebody to compete against and to because right now there really isn't there's just nothing and it's hard to imagine how something could yeah i mean how do you start that oh right like at this point right holy crap no this needed to happen like 10 years ago i mean apple was behind on making a a talking box and now no one's gonna buy their talking box right right like they they missed it and i think we all know that that will never be the talking box people have. Well, you know, we say that, but at the same time, I mean, how many video game companies uh, or like console makers, mm-hmm. right? They they come and go and, you know, for a while it looks like Nintendo's going to fall and then all of a sudden then they come out with a new one and the new one does great and everybody's excited about it. Yeah. So I don't know. Apple might come out with the next big thing, but it might be different than what we're thinking it is now. So yeah. it won't be the talking box, but maybe they come out with the first real sophisticated AI robot. Right. Well, and I guess, you know. but the, the, I, maybe the, the thing about this conversation is where Apple is the, is the underdog here. Right. How, does, how do four dudes who want to start a business and have an awesome <laughs> idea for a, a video hosting website start it? And they don't, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean they don't. you could though. It's possible. I, I, I all am not a businessman. Yeah, and businessman. <laughs> um, and it is. I, you know, I, I think even seven years ago, thinking about or six years ago, thinking about us creating Crash Course and SciShow, it's like, how are you going to compete with Discovery and yeah, you know, things like that. It's like, well, we're not really directly competing with them. Yep, we're doing science education and non-science education, but science education uh, specifically for me in an open format. So we're not competing. We're just adding to the conversation. And so maybe there's something that, you know, that four dudes and and hopefully a couple of women um, get to come up with that is, it's not necessarily the revolution in terms of talking boxes like Alexa, but it is something that changes the game. Yeah in a weird way. The, you know, what we're seeing now, I think is that as soon as anybody has that idea, it immediately gets sold off to 
Facebook or right. that is the deal. The VC thing. The uh, oh yeah, the starting something just to get rid of it. Yeah, is a is a strange. Uh, I don't know. I'd even say it's selfish of like taking taking your idea to the extent where it's worth money and getting rid of it. Yeah, is is not how is not how a lot of those companies were built that we're talking about right now. That's not how Apple was built. Right. Well, it makes you question their motive, right? Like, I mean, the the Steve Jobs. Wozniak, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, story mm-hmm. is is so compelling because they were so passionate about making this thing, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but now, when you watch, you know, Shark Tank or you hear about this stuff happening in Silicon Tank. Valley, <laughs> it's all about starting an app and getting evaluated at whatever many tens or hundreds of millions of dollars, and then getting rid of it. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think that's such a bizarre. What yeah. do you love? Because the love the idea it? of the people starting the new YouTube. And then my immediate reaction is that they'll just sell it to YouTube. No, what they'd probably do is they'd sell it to NBC. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, they'd sell it to... Yeah, something like that. Because uh, all of those CBS... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I watched the... I'm a long-time Casey Neistat fan. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'd be afraid to meet him because I, I don't want to find out that I hate him. Mm. Um, never meet your heroes. I know. Never. <laughs> that's, I'm sorry you're here. Oh, <laughs> we, we didn't want to invite you. Because I'm we sorry. We didn't want to ruin this. No, <laughs> no. Uh, the um, uh, watching Casey Neistat start a company, Beam, which was a social media sharing type thing of video. Mm-hmm. Then Beam turned got bought by CNN and got turned and Beam turned into Beam News. And now Beam, and then now CNN has restructured Beam. And there's this, I'm just watching these people, and you don't have to go watch these videos to find any of this out, but watching <laughs> these people go, and all of a sudden they have this thing where they're employees now of CNN, and they started as employees of Beam, mm-hmm. making their videos about, they're, they're similar to, they're in, your, they're in your genre of like education and actual humans mm-hmm. actually humans like us talking about big issues and doing the research and whatnot and watching them go through this thing where all of a sudden oh they're just employees of CNN now and they're kind of dissolving beam or whatever is going to happen is so strange to me like that growth where you you want to root for beam to be oh that's the next oh they're right next to CNN mm-hmm. but they became CNN is like so strange and kind of disheartening I don't know and and maybe if they leave it themselves, you know, like they leave it beam and it's just part of CNN. Like that's my, my immediate fear on VidCon as a uh, five day employee of VidCon every year. <laughs> I, I, I don't like, I look at it. I think it looks great. Uh, like mm-hmm. my, the positive side of me says, great, it's going to be bigger and it's going to be even better. And that's, and there's loads of responsibility that are released from VidCon is a small company, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, but then the black mirror side of me says, Oh, Man, it's 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 become something that I don't want it to become. Well, and there are always gives and takes. This um, I, I I trust Tank and John not to uh, totally yeah. not to make a bad call there. Um, also, as, as all of the the higher ups at uh, VidCon, everyone at VidCon, super smart and um, lovely people. So I think the main thing that I see out of it that I'm really happy about because I mean, frankly, they're all my friends. Mm-hmm. Is the idea of security? There's much more security in them being able to yeah. try things now that they probably would have been a little more hesitant to mm-hmm. before. Uh, and in 
you know, and and I don't know all of the dealings that are going on there, um, but I I do know that the idea of having the freedom to try more international stuff probably, or, you know, yeah. you know, who knows what, uh, I think is a, I think is a big deal for yeah. them. So, and you know, yeah, the, every time you mention the word corporation, a lot of times we all sort of start to twitch, yeah. you know, we're just like, Oh, but, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I trust Hank in this. Does, uh, does crash course or SciShow get without naming names, does it get approached? in that way of being, I think we did years ago. Uh Um, and I think, uh, Hank was kind of like, Nope. You know? Yeah. (laughs) It's great. Um, and you know, crash courses, uh, uh, crash course and SciShow are both very different animals to VidCon. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but yeah, we, for the most part, complexly is a very small group of people and we are much more, uh, flexible, I think. Uh, in terms of a lot of things, we can try things without it, you know, completely screwing us over <laughs> uh, a lot more freely. I think. I think. How do you? I have. I have uh, like a sausage making question. Okay. <laughs> yes. uh, how do you guys? So SciShow and Crash Course are both taking concepts, ideas, mm-hmm. and uh, making them accessible for mm-hmm. people. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, how. I mean, how do you guys do that? Because it's—it's almost seems like it—it it would take an army to take a, a complicated thing and synthesize it in such a way that it all of a sudden is simple, uh, and or at least would take a PhD or something, you know? Well, the people that we work with—I I, how does it work? I guess so. I'll, I'll talk about Crash Course because yeah. I haven't worked on SciShow for a few years. That's more—that's definitely Caitlin's bag. Yeah. Um, Caitlin Hoffmeister, who did an amazing episode of the show, so go listen to it. Sorry, Jamie wasn't there for that episode. Um, oh yeah, so. you were sick. Oh, I was super sick. sick. We almost. I, I, <laughs> I did. I, I got a two hundred foot cable. We almost <laughs> ran. He used to live next door. I was going to run it next door and just have him uh, <laughs> pipe in whenever he wanted to. With it. That was my only experience actually projectile vomiting, <laughs> and I had always thought that was sort of euphemistic. And it happened. I mean, you could have had the bucket across the kitchen, and I would have nailed it. When was this? Last, last year, somewhere. Yeah. Well, yeah. Last. Spring, yeah. last fall. I don't know when it was. Yeah. I got that kind of sick coming back from VidCon this year. Oh, really? And I had never been that kind of sick. Insane. Yeah. I was like, it, and it was that way for like two days. And I was almost to the point of like, I think maybe I need to go to the hospital. Yeah. Um, and then it sort of subsided and I just felt like crap for another two days. But yeah, there were two days where I was like, this is... Brutal. This is bad. Puking sucks. It does. It really sucks. I'm sure my neighbors thought I was being murdered. Right? Yeah. Because I'm not a quiet vomiter. No. <laughs> like, I'm I'm very much a screaming at the top of my lungs. Yes. And I also moan a lot. Like, yeah. when I feel nauseous. Me too. We I, we had to we had to do delivery. Oh, God. We had to do deliveries of produce. Oh, my God. And my wife was actually doing the handling, but mm-hmm. she didn't know where all, like, the entrances to the kitchens were and stuff. So I had to come with her. And man, every I would just go, oh, oh. <laughs> I just want everyone to know I don't feel well. I turned into the most gigantic baby as soon as yeah. I'm sick. I am useless. We're men, man. I, I just, We're it men. is awful. And it is embarrassing. But yeah, as soon as I'm sick, I'll call a friend of mine and be like, I didn't go shopping. Can you please bring me some water? <laughs> Good for you. You actually could ask. Yeah, 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 That's actually huge. Ask, yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Oh, um, okay. Anyway, anyway sorry. sorry. Yeah. How do they make the sausage? So, uh, well, you say PhD. I mean, Chip 
typically what we want to do is we want, first we pick a subject and then we start looking for experts okay. on the subject. And usually those experts are people who have taught it. Yeah. Usually, not always. Um, but they are experts in the field. Coffee burp. Hold on. Okay. Um, Yum. Yeah. <laughs> Vanilla hazel. <laughs> Delicious. Uh, so the... Once we find uh, an expert we want to work with for that subject, we'll get together and basically build out a syllabus and say, how would this be taught? What are the important things yep. that, you, that you feel like need to be in there to be useful to students? So we start there generally. But then we sort of go uh, away from that and, and broaden out. And we start looking at things and asking questions like, okay, why are we only talking, again, why are we only talking about white people in this, for instance, and can say, well, that's all, that's just always the way we've done it. Mm -hmm. And so we start to look for other ways that we can incorporate other parts of the world into the education. So you're still getting what you need, but you're also getting a taste of the rest of civilization. So it's not Eurocentric um, or Western centric. Um, once we've decided on a syllabus, we start looking for writers. Well, we've usually started the writer hunt before we've finished the syllabus, but we we hire some writers who can come in and look at every part of the syllabus and say, okay, that's an episode. We will write about that. And then the episodes get written, go to our script editors who go through and sort of hankify it, yeah. uh, make sure that it is understandable, fun, and accessible. Yeah. Like those are the things. So it's not just we've fallen into traps before where we haven't been able to do that. Physics was one of them where it's just like, well, this is the information we have to to put out there. And it's complicated. It's complicated and it is no fun. Yeah. Like but students really used it and and liked it and cool. found benefit from it. But we never really we're doing another physics based uh, series this year uh, that's engineering that we can be a little bit more fun with cool so we can instead of just going into the minutia of like electricity holy god we can uh <laughs> we can instead just talk about structural engineering what do you need to know why do you need to know it and and talk about structural engineering fails and things like that and and why you need to know these things and why the why the why having a building fall apart is bad you know <laughs> and, uh, there's a great story that our uh um not our scriptwriter, our consultant. Good Lord, the words fail me. Uh, our consultant told about a cheese factory where they were making cheese and the stuff they put in the cheese actually got into the sewer system and it started making cheese in the sewer system and like eating up all of the eating up all of the stuff that was uh, going to the sewer treatment plant. Yeah. So it wasn't getting recycled properly and they figured it out. But like, this is an engineering failure. Like we, we failed as engineers. Yeah. So it's stuff like that. You can talk about that's a lot more accessible than just like, this is the rotation of an electron yeah. and you know, it's atomic weight is X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. I'm not making any sense right now to any physicists listening, but you know, no, that made sense to me. Okay. Yeah, good. good. That, that uh, made more sense about <laughs> physics than I normally. Sweet. <laughs> I'm going to go teach physics. And when, and when you guys are doing this, uh, who, as, particularly in the script writing mm-hmm. part, uh, who are you writing for? Is it for the, 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 the 13-year-old who is in a biology class and this is uh, sort of extra? or we're, we're aiming for high school to early college. Okay. That's generally what we do. Because that then, like there are a lot of, uh, apparently there are a lot of like 10-year-olds who mm-hmm. watch Crash Course. I bet. But 10-year-olds are smart, so they've 
they can they can I'm sure that they may selectively ignore things that maybe go over their heads, but by and large, as long as you're being clear, I don't know. I mean, until you get into really young ages, I don't know if there's too much of a of a barrier there. Yeah. And then as soon as you're writing for high school and college, anyone up can can parse it. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it, I, so. You you talking that, that piece about you know this is this is for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's for uh, well, I, I don't want to be too broad. Like we. We want to make sure that the people who need it are going to need it and watch it. Right. And then we want to make sure who people make sure people who want to know about it can use it. And I guess I, sorry, what I was saying more was the, the occlusionary aspect of it, meaning mm-hmm. it's not just uh, a Eurocentric oh, perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying that, not to be. Yeah. And, and to me that I mean, that just makes a ton of sense in the world we live in now. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's tiny um, or way tinier than it was way uh, tinier than it was yeah and i think especially when i think about you know a kid going to the potomac school what a cool thing for her to be able to go home at the end of the day and watch a video that like has flashes of a perspective from a totally different point of view right you know it's so valuable do you guys is there any plan or thought about in the future this because right now this is extracurricular this is right. This is not a yeah. part of any classroom curriculum. Well, we or have we've um, developed some classroom curriculum that's, that's being what, tested. That's, that's my question. Um, and uh, I wasn't a part of the development of that. I, I saw it being developed. It was much more. We have a team in Indianapolis who also makes videos with John because John's in Indianapolis. Hank's in Missoula. And so far, the results have been good. We're going to do some redesigns on them and uh, keep trying to make them better. And then a lot of teachers are already sort of taking our content into the classroom okay. in different ways. So it is I say sort of a lot. I just realized that. Oh, I say fuck a lot. Oh, well, me too. <laughs> but for some reason, you're making me not say fuck a lot. I know, it's a calming presence. Uh, yeah. It's a calming presence. Oh, and I, yeah, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You, you now are the director of Jamie and Travis Presents. <laughs> Everybody calm down. Everybody calm down. It's, it's all, all going to be Do fine. that again, Jamie. Do that again. Yeah. Okay. Can we do that one more time? Um, is, that, is, that, is that the directing <laughs> voice? <laughs> that's a lot of time. Yeah, was it so good? Yeah, that's all. <laughs> yeah, do that one more time. Uh, but yeah. so there are moves for this to yeah. become a sort of more official. I, on some level, yeah. I, I don't. Uh, I hope that it's useful for teachers. Mm-hmm. Like what I, what I, the, the the cool thing that I've seen is teachers using. Crash Course, not as much in the classroom, although a lot of them do, but helping them to develop lesson plans. Like, that's... I wanted to help teachers when I first started, because there's not a lot out there to help teachers. Mm-hmm. Especially now. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're dying right now. The yeah. Education is dying. It's it's really a struggle. Well, that's, and that's when you mentioned uh, the... Uh, hopefully, along with what you're saying, the... Uh, the idea of accessibility and whatnot, and you wanting to help education, mm-hmm. where we need to elect people... That help with education, and you can't really fight a corporation. You actually can help education. Like mm-hmm. you can actually get in there and give all this product. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, we want we want teachers to have more access to free tools that can help them. And I love the idea of like somebody watching a crash course video and saying, "Oh, I can do a whole lesson, a, an entire two hour lesson or one hour lesson on this ten minute video, and this gives me the jump off point." 
I love that. That makes me super happy because an online video, at least as far as I can tell, is never going to replace a teacher. Right. Like it, but it can help a teacher. And that is a, a huge deal for me. Like teachers are just, they're just in every bad position. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so the more free stuff we can give them so that they can do a better job or feel more confident in what they're doing. Like, I think that is that that's mission accomplished for me mm-hmm. and makes me super happy. And then if we can do stuff later on, that's actual curricular yeah. stuff that that's great. Mm-hmm. And I have high hopes that it will be used. Who knows? Um, I want to see that <laughs> the textbook, um, Industry is quite vast, and uh, is it evil? I don't think so. I just <laughs> think it's—I I just think it's a little myopic. Yeah. yeah. So, like, there's no reason that textbooks shouldn't all be in PDF form at this point. Yeah. So, and is there a reason they should cost three hundred dollars? <laughs> Fucking don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what's with that? I've worked with a couple people. Uh, one in particular, when I was a freelance videographer, I, I helped her make a. Um, she was a, a math. She's a former math textbook writer or editor. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Oh. I want to listen to that podcast. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> wonderful wonderful human being. She was she was really great. Uh, but she decided she wanted to take some of the money that she'd made from that and make a cookbook for children. And I helped her produce the DVD portion of it. Oh, cool. So it was called Your Kids Cooking. It's available on Amazon apparently. And like it was a it was a thing where it's like her attitudes were not that dissimilar from mine, but that's where she found her career. Yeah, you know, she wanted to help people. She wanted to make sure the information was accurate and accessible to teachers and everything. But like, yeah, just where she found her career was working in textbooks. Yeah. So, you know, I I, I don't think it's an evil thing. I think it's just that's the thing that found its niche and then just sort of cornered it. And I think there's only like three publishers of main publishers for textbooks i could be wrong about that oh that's wow. so crazy i yeah. think i think so somebody fact check me on that but like i think it's like they're the three big ones and there's a couple and then it's sort of surrounded by little guys and self-publishers man but, I, I like distrust that industry and this is i don't i don't have any real knowledge about this <laughs> but i just trusted the same way i distrust like pharmaceuticals yeah. like you are selling something Ostensibly, that will benefit me, but at the end of the day, you have so much power right yeah. here. Yeah, and I know hard. nothing, and you could really affect the rest of my life, or in this case, my children's lives. Yeah. And ooh, yeah, yeah the yeah, the yeah, that really the the pharmaceutical thing. Whew. Yeah, you know what's so weird, and we talked about this, Travis, but I, I I just in the last like two years have really become sensitive to this. Is the whole. Uh, there being ads for drugs on TV. It's the weirdest it's thing so to me. It's so fucking weird. There are five major publishers. Oh, oh five. five. Nice. Thank you, Google. Yes. <laughs> Not so. mistake, Google. Um, uh, <laughs> Macmillan is one of them. Macmillan's the one I always remember from... Uh, Houghton Mifflin is the one that I always Houghton remember. Houghton Mifflin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I used to say Houghton Mifflin. Yeah, me too. But and it's then Houghton. It's Houghton. Apparently, oh, fuckers. <laughs> so, it's, so, it's so waspy. Those fuckers. Um, it's fun to say though. No, it, it is. Hootin. It's really fun. Hooten. I just remember having friends that were in uh, science majors, and at the beginning of the semester, saying that you know they had to spend seven hundred dollars on their textbooks or whatever, and yeah. just thinking. That is weird. Fuck. I was an art major, and just one art history book. I want to say at one time was. 
200, 300 bucks oh, oh, for a book that like, I'm never going to use this again. Yeah. Yeah. And in lots of cases, you're not even going to use it while you're in that class. I did not. Yes. <laughs> and I got so an weird. A in that class. Like I just, cause I listened to the lectures and took good notes. So maybe the thinking is that this A is going to come very easily, but you have to give us $300. Oh, you got to have a little skin in the game, Yeah, <laughs> which is a good lesson to learn. Maybe yeah. if that's what you got. <laughs> Nothing's for free. So, I feel so bad now. <laughs> just nothing's for free. Textbooks. Yeah, I, the uh, the textbook thing. We have. I was a music major, and so the textbooks were one of two things: a textbook that was based on a CD. It was like a listening deal. Like so, hmm. like the music lit class. You get a book about music lit is really really weird. Yeah, because. You can read about the history of it enough, but you have to listen to it. Yeah. So it comes with eight DVD or eight CDs, and uh, these yeah. days that that is useless. Yep, I can find it anywhere, but you oh, still right. have to buy it. Yeah. You still have to buy it, and uh, that was all based. I never used that book. I just sat and listened. Yep, and like sat there, and I didn't. Uh, notes weren't even really a thing because if you're that was like. You're just identifying. Yep. You're just identifying. So play something in class, write it down. Got it. Yeah, I know what that yeah. is. And it was so weird because that book was like $250. Technology dovetailing with education can be so great. Mm-hmm. And man, like I remember at the end of my college career, uh, I had to take all my prerequisites at the end. Yeah. And, <laughs> and being in like a geology Generalism. class where literally, I mean, you had to go because you would get docked if you yeah. didn't show up a certain amount. But God damn, Those man! Bastards. They were fu- well. All the professor did was put a PowerPoint presentation on the wall, and well, that's then also, a bad. Pro- and that's a bad professor. It, she, yeah, will, yeah. she was. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it happens a lot, and then the power pre- PowerPoint presentation is also available online. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, there's really no point to me coming to class, <laughs> which is in a lot of ways, educate in terms of education is like the most important thing, just like dealing with people. Right. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I'm very, I'm obviously very cynical about all this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Okay. Let's real quick before we end, uh, where do you like to eat in Missoula? Um, well, I used to love Johnny Carino's. It's gone. It's, it's gone. gone, but it's going to be an olive garden. <sighs> Oh wow! They I really, have my grandmother. They, breadsticks. they really did it. My <laughs> grandmother for years got me gift certificates to Olive Garden for my birthday. Did you keep them? Uh, I did. <laughs> They're all expired. Oh shit! But I never lived near an Olive Garden. We never. Yeah. I, I never had the heart to. Cordelaine. Cordelaine's the nearest one. Is there one in Cordelaine? Yeah. You can make that. Uh, well, yeah, it's it's over. I mean, yeah. I don't get them anymore. Um, Johnny Carino's had the best soup I've ever had in my entire life. No way. Yes, they had something they called Italian chili. And it was immaculate. Just it a was... bowl of Alfredo sauce. No, is this ranch dressing? Is this heated ranch dressing? Wait, what was it? It sounds amazing. It just—it was like a. Uh, um, um, oh God! I'm just again, the words are falling. It's like a minestrone that was spicy with um, sausage and um, like ground sausage. And uh, beans. Yeah, it was so just, good. Oh, 
so good. And I've tried, they've, there are a lot of copycat recipes yeah. online and I've tried them all and none of them are anywhere near as good. Mm. Like there's just something magical about that Italian chili. <laughs> I know there was a, there was some unmarked container. Yeah. yeah. Some unmarked powder that went in there. That MSG. Was, it, was, it was MSG <laughs> yeah. and some sort of polymer to hold it all together. But it was. Polymer. <laughs> That's where the mouthfeel comes yeah. from. Um, but now, like, I don't know. I'm trying all kinds of new diets to try to get my weight down because I'm 40 now. And, Amen. Oh, then uh, welcome to the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With you. Um, and uh, so eating out is not something that I, I'm, I'm, try- I'm trying to do less of it. Yeah. And, but if I have to go out, I, you know, I really love going to the Redbird Lounge. Yes. Um, Hard to beat. I don't like to pay for it. It's expensive, yeah. but uh, it's just the food's really good. It's really it good. Also, to their credit, the burger there, the rest of uh, burgers in town are slowly creeping up to the Redbird mm. price of the burger, yeah. I've noticed. You know, like 11 bucks is kind of standard yeah. for a burger these When I days. was working there and we were talking about, like, wow, if you add bacon, this is like a twelve fifty burger. That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. Yeah. It's not at all. It's like, not. And, uh, oh, no. Yeah, go to uh, Cafe Dolce and try to get a burger for, yeah. It's, right. The lamb burger. The little, that little, is a good yep. effing burger. You though. know what, though? I hate it. You do? You don't like lamb? I don't like lamb. That's it, okay. It tastes gamey to me. It, uh, well, yeah. I that's still the like the little uh, little uh, baseball of lamb that's in my stomach for like, <laughs> like two days. That it like doesn't it, you don't it's digest there lamb for a while at all. Yeah, it's all in, it stays in there forever. You're just half that's lamb right. now. <laughs> got a lamb lining. <laughs> you got a haggis stomach. <laughs> oh, gross. Uh, yeah, gross. <laughs> yes. um, all right, Nick. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us. You're so welcome. So it was awesome. really enjoyable. Um, this was lovely. Yeah, you you have such a nice energy. Oh, thank you. You really do. Mm-hmm. I would like to start. Well, that sounds weird. Never mind. No, nope. I'd hug? like to start my day with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, first part of my day, I set myself up for success. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Good morning, um, Nick. What are we having for breakfast? I think that's how I've managed to not get fired from most jobs. Is I think people are just like, you know, you kind of suck, but I just like being around you. Yeah. Oh. I mean, you're bad at stuff. I'm bad at stuff. But you're a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's hey, fair. I think that's awesome. We need more guys like that. Yeah. Why not? Because most of us are just bad at stuff, and that's where the story ends. Yeah. Oh. We're bad at stuff, and then we're sensitive about it. Yeah. That's my thing. All right. Anyway, <laughs> Nick, thanks so much. Uh, this has been Jamie and Travis present. present. Jamie and Travis. Jamie and Travis. Jamie and Travis present. Travis, we have a Patreon site. Yes, we do. Patreon is a crowdfunding website that mm-hmm. allows creators of stuff uh, to give their consumers of the stuff they make a chance to contribute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we have one at patreon.com slash present. Uh, it is really us just asking for a little help with some of the uh, sort of day-to-day costs of producing this podcast. Coffee and hosting. Coffee and hosting and a little bit of uh, taking care of your equipment, yeah. which you donate to love it um so yeah again patreon.com slash jamie and travis present uh we would really appreciate you checking it out but even if you don't check it out we really appreciate you listening thanks thanks